Hello fellow Norwich fans and welcome to the first episode of the newest podcast from the Alonkham Norwich family, ACN Flag Squad Pod. Unlike the ACN boys, we can promise you absolutely no talk about team selection, tactics or the benefits of a high press versus total football. We'll be using our time to chat about all the weird and wonderful experiences we've had as football fans, from horrible journeys up the A1 on a rubbish away day to the smells and words of football. The title might have given it away, but this podcast is brought to you by some of the people who put out the flags for every home game. So without any further prattling, I'm Maddie McKenzie and I'm joined by my co-hosts and fellow flag enthusiasts, Nick Hayhoe. Hello there. And Terry Westgate. Hello. Good to see you both. So today, to let to, to let you get to know us all, we thought we'd have a chat about our footballing firsts. What got us into football, our first game, that usual stuff. So Nick, you managed to choose the right East Anglian team despite some south of the border connections. Yeah, so um, my getting into Norwich story is quite interesting because my family on my mother's side are all actually Ipswich supporters. I've lived in Suffolk all of my life as well. So I, I've always been on the wrong side of wrong side of the border. But um, my dad was Norwich fans, was his father, and uh, I was kind of a Norwich fan by default because soon, you know, it was from a from birth. I was designated as a Norwich fan. That was always what I was going to be. I can't remember anything about my first match because um, I was so young, which is kind of odd because most football fans can remember their first match. But um, but my earliest couple of memories are usually around the late nineties, where Norwich were really really terrible. But thankfully, Norwich then won the league in 2004 when I was around about 13, which is a formative year when you're trying to get into things like football. And um, that's basically how I how I got into always being a Norwich fan, I guess. Yeah, mine's not quite so straightforward either. I mean, I was born in London and that's where my parents came from. Uh, we moved as a family to Suffolk when I was very young. Um, uh, I really got into football probably when I was probably about middle school age and that was through watching World Cup. So I was always very much into watching uh, the World Cup games, having the wall chart and the sticker books. Um, and then every year we'd always sit down and watch the FA Cup final together. Um, and I kind of really fell in love with football in Italian 90. And after that, I decided, right, I want to go to a football match. Uh, the nearest league ground, because I was living in Lowestoft at the time, was Norwich. So just went to the next Norwich City match. Um, it was a home game in the League Cup against Watford with like a really low crowd, there's hardly anybody there. But um, they were selling tickets for the upcoming game against Liverpool, who were like the best team in the land at the time. So I bought a ticket to go come back a couple of weeks later and see Liverpool. Um, and that Liverpool game is the one that converted me to being a Norwich City fan. I left the game, went straight to the club shop, bought a scarf, and I've been a Norwich City fan ever since. And that was when I was uh, about 16. And then I've just been going ever since then. So that's my story. What about you, Maddie? Yeah, mine is just bloody stupid. You know, you all have very sensible getting into football stories. Mine's ridiculous. My dad is a Manchester United fan because his only football influence was his gran, who's from Manchester. So even though he grew up in Cornwall, she was basically along the lines of, you're not going to support anyone but Manchester United. And he tried to get me into them, but I hated football because I was about as athletic as a tree. Just really not my sort of thing. It was all about, oh, here are these boys at school and they run around at lunchtime and play football. Not my thing at all. If ever I had to play football, I was always goalie, always letting the goals, always got a barrage load of abuse. So when I was 15, just after Norwich got promoted after the playoff final, I went on this school trip to Germany and we spent an awful lot of time just sitting on coaches, not doing anything. And all my friends were playing on this game called New Star Soccer on their phones. And I thought, well, I'm not about to be left out here. Everyone's doing this you know no so I 
paid for some Wi-Fi in a German hotel to download this app. And by the time I got home, got off the coach at school, my parents were all, oh, so what did you do in Germany? Did you have a good time? What did you see? Mum, you'll never guess what. I got Norwich promoted to the Premier League on only my second try. So they'd sent me off as someone who hated football, you know, wouldn't sit down and watch it. And suddenly as I got home, they're desperate to know about my time because it was my first time away from home. And all I wanted to talk about was Norwich, 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 Norwich. So I got my first Norwich shirt that season. And then I went to my first proper game the next season. Uh, a friend's dad took me to Southampton versus Norwich in the FA Cup. And I was buzzing because I'd never seen all the players before up close. So it just blew my little mind. What would you say is the, the kind <coughs> of the big moment when... So we, we all have a moment where there's, there's kind of a seminal season that we all have where, okay, you're a fan and then it kind of, it's kind of low level and then something major happens that kind of cements your love of Norwich for life. Um, what would you say, Terry, was, the, was that moment? I guess it was obviously the early 90s and Norwich were really good. Uh, and then it was the UEFA Cup run. I guess that was that was what it was if what it was for you, Terry. I, I was already completely hooked by that point. I mean, I um, like I said, I think it was my first experience. That first home game against Watford was like really quiet, but the second home game was against Liverpool, the best team in the land. The crowd, the ground was absolutely packed. Despite being a goal down, we came back to get a one-one draw, um, and I and I was kind of hooked. And I came straight back, and I got a season ticket the next year. So before we even got into Europe, I was already kind of committed. So I was I started going away to away games that, that first season as well. So I, I think my first away game was at Coventry in December 1990. So I was quite quickly adapted. Once I'd found my team, that was it. I was on board. Next year, I had my season ticket. And then um, we had a really good cup run. Um, we got to the semi-final in uh, 92. So I think that was probably, again... And then after that, it was then the next year we finished third in the league. And then the next year we were in Europe. So I started at a really good time. So I, I have a, a funny feeling with the early 90 period, because when I was obviously growing up when I was young, this is sort of late 90s, early 2000s, when, like I say, Norwich were really bad. My dad would tell me that Norwich were really good. And I remember reading reference books in Norwich Library. They had a copy of, uh, well, they had various reference books to do with Norwich so that you know their seasons and that sort of thing and I would see Norwich in third place in the Premier League and I'm like <laughs> what and I, I turn around my dad and I go what's this about and he goes oh yeah Norwich used to be really good and he used to say, say it's so blasé and it's like well hang on a minute they finished third what are you, <laughs> why aren't you more excited about it and he was like oh yeah it was just because they were really good and then of course I found out about you know the UEFA Cup run um and then I, then I kind of later find out that, of course, one of the things about Norwich when they were good is that we were also, we've always been a very desperately unlucky club. So we, we qualified for Europe several times when English clubs were banned from Europe. Um, when we were in the UEFA Cup, you know, we beat Bayern Munich and then we draw into Milan in the next round, which is crazy considering there was, you know, so many other like clubs like Tenerife were in the competition. Um, so, you know, I, I then later found out that, you know, Every single up period when you're a Norwich fan, it always has that down period. I would just say that, though you say that, at the time, we didn't feel unlucky. When we drew Bayern Munich, we were really happy about it. And then when we drew into, drew into Milan and we were going to be playing in the San Siro, we saw that as a good thing. We didn't see that as unlucky. So it's really interesting that you, looking back on that, you think, oh, they were so lucky. But actually, we felt it was amazing. We were going to these 
sort of, you know, renowned football stadiums and playing these big teams. And we thought, well, this is what Europe is about. I think it's changed a bit since because back then you didn't have, it wasn't Champions League and Europa League. It was a knockout competition and it was, there were less games. There were less smaller teams in there. I mean, you still had the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, but you, like I said, we, although we finished third, we only got into Europe because Arsenal won both cups. So there weren't as many teams playing in Europe. So I think at the time, I think very differently about it. You didn't have like these uh, teams that qualified lower down the league um, that got into Europe and then went off to these sort of weird, obscure places and could go on quite a decent cut run. It wasn't like that. You were going to be playing a lot of top sides. So actually, when you drew Bayern Munich and when you beat Bayern Munich, it was amazing. The last thing I thought I was unlucky. So that's a really interesting for you to say, Nick. I think where it comes from for me is obviously growing up where I grew up, everybody always bangs on about Ipswich's UEFA Cup win. And that's that that's the reason for me why I wish that Norwich had got an easier draw and won the competition. Because it's like, oh, you go on about being by me and getting to the fourth round. Well, we won the bloody thing. The thing is, if you ever look at Ipswich's UEFA Cup run, the teams they played were quite you know, quite lower, lower down the level teams, which used to be what it was like in UEFA Cup. Like when you say it was the, it was the knockout competition because you didn't have the the kind of seeding structure that you do now. So that's that's one of the reasons why it always bothers me that we we drew into Milan after beating Munich. But I I obviously you know at the time it's like oh my god we're going to go to the San Siro. It must have been must have been pretty amazing. I'm just going back to you know the seminal season. I think for me. It was the 2003-2004 promotion season, as I mentioned before, because that was the first time I remember Norwich being any good. We didn't have a season ticket, but me and my dad went to probably the majority of the home games. It was also the first season that I went to an away game, which was um, Ellen Road, where we drew one all. And I remember there being a made, an amazing last-minute free kick from, I can't remember the Leeds player, but being, feeling very deflated at the end of it. But my dad taught me a very good lesson, which is that when you're an away supporter, a point is a lot better than a point than it is at home. So that was the main lesson. And then the other, the other away game that I went to that season was the infamous stadium that we all know and love as Norwich supporters, um, Southhurst Park, uh, where, of course, we lost yeah. Southhurst Park. I think the other and the the main kind of my main memories of that season were the the way that the I'd never been part of some part of what was a bigger thing before, and I realised how what being part of a football club means is being part of this bigger thing, particularly with regards to that promotion parade where there's a huge crowd that turns up in front of City Hall to see the players lift the the, the trophy, which was the Division One trophy at the time, and then seeing the parade, and I'd never been really part of that larger experience before um it's something that only really ever comes to sport and, and possibly music as well when you go to see a big act music acting or go to a festival but that really it's almost unquantifiable that feeling that it gives you when you when you feel suddenly part of this bigger movement how about you maddie what was your first sort of big season that you remember well it was actually last season because for a long time i had a big mental hurdle to cross I was, you know, still a teenager when I got into football and all my friends who wanted to go to football were already in groups. So, you know, they'd go with their dads or their sisters or their brothers. And the only person I had to go with was my dad. And as a Manchester United fan, he'd much rather sit at home and watch Man United on the computer than come and watch Norwich in a stale nil-nil draw with Bolton Wanderers in Arctic conditions. So it was sort of a case of I didn't feel like I could go to the football on my own. 
And then September 2018, I'm, you know, I'm not secret about this. I have obsessive compulsive disorder and I'd gone off to university, but I'd had to drop out and come home. So finally, I found myself with a lot of spare time, a lot of spare money. And the half season tickets came out because we'd had that awful campaign in Daniel Fark's first season. So there were loads of spare season tickets. And I thought, you know what? Let's just do it. We're, we're really into something here. If I get this season ticket, I could keep it for the rest of my life. I could stay here forever. I need to get on it. When am I going to get a chance to get a season ticket again? And then from November onwards, I think I went to Millwall, the 4-3 win against Millwall, and I didn't miss a home game from then on. I just, I'd, I'd got over that mental block of I have to be there with somebody else. And it was okay to be there among strangers because you're all united by this common interest that is football. And so really, I couldn't have picked a better season to get my first season ticket because my first match the season ticket holder was Norwich 3, Nottingham Forest 3. So, you know, you imagine I'm sat there in my seat for the first time and suddenly we're 3-0 down and everyone around me is going, oh, this is awful. This is the worst football I've ever seen. That Daniel Fark, don't know what he's doing. And then up comes Onel Hernandez. And that, there wasn't a dull moment at Carrow Road from then on, apart from obviously this season, which hasn't had some fantastic moments. But yeah, I mean... Honestly, you couldn't have picked a better season to be a season ticket holder for the first time. You know, we won promotion, we had the derby. It was just, it was brilliant. And so that was my seminal moment, really. I think we could probably talk for the entire podcast about last season, couldn't we? Because it was such oh, a, yes. it was just absolutely, I yeah. remember um, reading um, Paul Bullier's report in When Saturday Comes on, uh, it was the, the preview uh, section for this season. They they wrote, they write a little record about what happened last season and one of the things is what was bad about last season and Paul put absolutely nothing there was nothing wrong with it because apart from that little tiny wobble where we all got a little bit nervous at the end pretty much it was perfect in pretty much every way because all of the matches were, were chaos uh, you know amazing comebacks there was at least four or five what you would call kind of historical fixtures mm. you beat leads away I mean, we beat Ipswich 3-0, and that's probably maybe fourth or fifth on the list of amazing things that happened. That's just, that just kind of goes goes to how, how, how mad that season was. I, I would say Paul Lambert getting sending off was actually better than the result. That's one of the highlights for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just remember yeah. stood there talking next to me, what the hell is going on? I can see policemen. You know, what's happening? Because yeah. I've got such crappy vision, but I never have my glasses with me. And the guy was like, he's just been sent off. He's been sent to the stand. No way. You couldn't write that. So talking about last season then, let's just uh, give everybody a little bit of a background as to what the flag squad is. Because um, last season was when the flag squad kind of kind of ramped up. So what, we, we're part of a little team that helps put the flags out in the Barclay and sometimes other stands as well before the game. They don't get out there by magic. They, 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 they don't get out there by staff either. They, they get out by us and we totally volunteer our time to do it. And we've become a little bit of a close-knit community. So, Terry, how did you get into the, the kind of um, the flag squad and, what, and what, what, what makes you feel good about doing it? I, su- I suppose I was very much on board when the whole of the, the Barclay project started about getting the Barclay, um, getting the atmosphere back in the Barclay because, like I said, I've, I've been going to football for 30 years now. And I do, you know, and I remember what it used to be like when it was terracing. And so as soon as there was the people were getting on board with that, I was like, oh, I completely support this. Um, so I and I even wrote a blog for Along Come Norwich, which got a lot of response about getting people to sing in the in the Barclay. And then I just saw one day that they were tweeting that they were looking for volunteers. 
And I was like, well, actually, I've got this particular game. I didn't have anything planned beforehand. I could just go to the ground a bit early and help with the flags. Um, and I, I can't remember the first game that I did it because I didn't know at the time it was going to be really, you know, a big thing in my life. I thought, oh, I'm just going to go along and help one day. So it was some point during last season that I started doing it. And it's become a point now with, with both of you is that that's all part of my ritual now for a home game is that I'll get there early, whatever time they need. Sometimes you only need to be there an hour and a half before. Sometimes it's three or four hours before because we've got so much stuff we need to get done. And that's just part of my match day experience now. And I love it because I love the effect that it has on the ground. I love the images and the videos that you see afterwards. But most of all, I just love the enthusiasm that you get from people in the ground for doing the flags. Well, it's your fault, isn't it, that I'm into the flags? But before I get to that, you know, just the other day, I was telling you guys about the first time that I had a flag in the Barclay. And it was Derby County, my second match of the season to get hold of. And when I got there, I could see the flags in the B block and I'm thinking, have I got a flag on my seat? Have I got a flag on my seat? Got there, they put one specifically on my bit, and I'm straight on my family group chat going, guys, you'll never guess what? You'll never guess. I've got a flag. It was such a big moment because I just loved them being there, and I was finally a part of it. And then on the final home game of the season, so when we got promoted against Blackburn, I think we were all in the pub with a group of about 10, 15 people, and you guys were off to do the flags. And I thought, you know what? Why not? Something to do. This is going to be a special day. Why not make it all the more special? So I basically bullied you into letting me come along. And the rest is history, really. And I've not missed another flag squad meet since that. And it's just, it's special, isn't it, really? You know, that time we have before the match when the ground is empty and there's just five or six of us congregating in our toilet cupboard, handing out those flags and, you know, have that shared experience of complaining about your arms hurting and doing it in the rain or the sweaty heat. And I mean, everyone's Everyone's great. You know, it's a great bunch of people to spend two or three hours with on a match day. I think I think the, the, the thing about it is that it's a, there's an almost therapeutic thing when you're in the ground early um, and it's empty. I always used to like getting to the ground early and just sitting there and just contemplating. Um, so to do that while you're putting the flags out in it's, itself is almost meditative and it's, you know, I'm not worrying about anything outside of that stadium at that time, um, which is what you do at the football anyway, but you're not even worrying about the football at that time. So, um, yeah, it's a lovely kind of calm moment, I think, in my week or my my fortnight when, I, when I'm putting the flags out. Um, the way that I got into it is that I was um, writing for a Lungcom Norwich before and I kind of got broke into it by default because um, I was meeting up with John and Andy occasionally and um, they kind of saw me when I was in the Barclay end and was like, can you help out with the flags? I was like, well, I can't really say no, even though I fancy a pint. So <laughs> um, so I kind of got into it that way. I, I remember a fixture where me and uh, one of our comrades, um, Rich, who um, also helps out with us, we were putting them, we put out the entire flags, all of the flags in the Barclay for one of the evening games. So the entire lower Barclay just between the two of us, that was quite a lot of hard work. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, kind of come from there and, we, and we've now became quite good friends. And um, it, it's, it's been really good experience when going to the football because I go to the football by myself and I think all you got, both of you do as well. But we're not really there by ourselves, right? We're there with everybody else. So, so it's great to meet up with um, people who I kind of already knew on Twitter because I'm following some of you guys on Twitter and um, we've come good friends after that so it's, it's been such a such a cool thing to kind of be a part of I think for me as well is that I remember seeing a I, I get I was putting the flags out in the seats and I gave 
a flag to a young kid who was quite excited to get one. And he was really excited and he was telling his mum, he was with his mum, oh my God, I got a flag and all this sort of thing. And, and that for me absolutely made it because I was like, well, that is exactly what football was about because all of this other nonsense and all of this crap that we all hate football for quite a lot of the time, that is all forgotten about. When you see that moment when that kid picks up his flag and he waves it and is excited about it, or when he's celebrating with his dad after the game and Norwich have won and he's singing the Teamy Pookie baby song with his dad, that's what it's for. And it frustrates me when people forget that that's what football is for. Yeah, I, I would say that um, I love that. When I'm handing out the flag and I can see that somebody's sitting there watching me and I turn to them and say, Do, would you like a flag? And they always go, yes, please. And I love that, those little moments. <laughs> and um, I also remember when we did the big, so we have those big surf banners that we only do every now and again because they're a lot of hard work. But we did one um, in the, for Bournemouth at Home, I think, wasn't it? When we did it in the River End. And I'm um, not the river end, the south stand, sorry. And I remember we were all a bit nervous about, oh, what are the people in the south stand going to be like? We're coming over here, we've got this big flag over their heads, they're going to get in the way of their view, they're going to be all grumpy about it. And then when we did it, they honestly couldn't have been more nicer. They were so keen to be involved. They were so glad that they had a flag in there. And it just made me think that it isn't just a Barclay thing. We think it is a lower Barclay thing because that's where it started from. But actually, everybody in the ground loves these displays and they were so keen to get involved and that was a really nice moment as well. There are strange bits with the flags, aren't there? Because we have... It's almost a Marmite experience. You either have people saying, this is one of the best things that's ever happened and saying thank you and you're like, well, it's not, it's not really up to me, but, you know, thanks anyway. But then the sour side of it is you do get a lot of abuse collecting the flags in. I mean, when you're handing out the flags... There are a fair few people around my season tickets who go, oh, not those bloody things again. Or when you do hand the surfer up and you're like, oh, it's so hot in here. Oh, put it down, do this. And I think people forget that, you know, we're not getting paid. We're just doing it because we love the club and we love to see the bike be like this. And we do have to put up with a fair bit of stick. And I know Punt and Lawney get a lot of it online as well. You have almost whole accounts dedicated to just trolling along come Norwich whenever they post anything. So it can be a bit frustrating. But when you have moments such as the FA Youth Cup, for example, against Manchester United, and we lost, but we had a whole area of the Jeffrey Watling with the flags and all these kids, like Nick was saying, singing along. And you could just see a whole new generation starting out. And it's those moments that then outweigh the moments when some old git is having a pop at you. I, th I think I must be really lucky because I, I don't hardly ever get anybody having a pop at me. So actually people are really helpful. When I'm collecting <laughs> the flags in at half time, people collect them along the row and they wait for me and they say thank you. So I don't know. Maybe it's just, just my demeanour, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you need to move to Block D&E, Maddie, because uh, I've, I've never had any negative feedback um, <laughs> ever, actually. You, you might get some people might tuck, but other than that, I don't think I've ever got any 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 blowback from anybody um either putting them out or collecting them i've seen one or two things on social media but you're always going to get that because you have people who feel the football atmosphere kind of peaked in the late 1970s and it's never going to go back there again the mm. problem is, is that you had okay you had occasionally brilliant atmospheres in the late 1970s but you also had some really shit atmospheres in the late 1970s and you also had a lot of problems with crowd trouble as well so there's no point in trying to pine for that kind of era again. We need, you know, we love having the loud noise and the atmosphere and the singing, but, you know, we're just doing it in a slightly different way from what was a traditional 
English atmosphere, taking influence from Germany, taking influence from Italy, um, the ultra movement, and also from various movements that are within England as well. Um, Crystal Palace have their Homestyle Fanatics. There's also a couple of movements elsewhere. Um, Old Trafford actually has uh, a particularly brilliant one, from what I've heard. The atmosphere at Old Trafford has improved substantially since they've started doing a flag movement there. So, yeah, there's always going to be a little some negative points, but on the whole, I think we've always, at least from my experience, had positive, positive feedback from people with regard to the flags. Okay, so what was your guys' um, sort of first away experience, having talked about you know what we do for home games? Because I don't travel to away games very often. I do, I love it when I do go away though. Um, I think you guys travel away a lot more than I do. So what was your first sort of big away experience, Terry? Oh, blimey, go to me first. Um, well, uh, the trouble is, again, because I'm so old, my first away game was in December 1990. <laughs> so it's a long time ago. Um, and it was, um, and also, I mean, I did used to go to a lot of away games back in the early 90s. And what that means is that I've been to a lot of grounds that don't exist anymore. Because obviously the Taylor Report came out at the beginning of the 90s, which talked about all Steeter Stadium. And a lot of clubs rebuilt, you know, built new stadiums or transformed their stadiums. So I went to a lot of away games, the grounds that don't exist or are completely different. So I've stood on terraces all over the place. And I've been to like the baseball ground at Derby, which was a bizarre little ground. And, oh, and um, my first, my very first game was away at Coventry, which was at... Um, Oh God, well, I can't remember what it's called. Is it Highfield Road? Yeah, Highfield um, Road, yeah. This is in the old days when you used to, you know, football um, stadiums were in amongst terrace houses and you'd park on the street and they'd walk through these terrace houses and then suddenly there'd be a gap and there'd be a football ground. Um, and that's my first experience. And it was, um, I think I was in the seat, but I've also stood on terrace there as well. So that's probably my, I can't remember anything about the game. I'm, I'm sorry. It was, it's 30 years ago. So it wasn't <laughs> a particularly memorable game at all. But obviously, I mean, and I went to two or three more away games that season. And then the following couple of years, I made a real effort and went to as many away games as possible. So the funny thing about, you talk about terracing there, because obviously um, I was born in 1991. So when I obviously grew up um, and, and was able to go to away games, this is way after the Taylor Report. Um, and way after all seater kind of been instigated as the norm when it came to the stadium. So my actual first experience of watching football on a terrace or watching Norwich on a terrace, because I, I see non-league football, but um, was when we played Burton, um, Burton Albion. And I actually saw us play Burton twice that season when Burton were in the championship and both games we drew nil-nil. <laughs> but that was my first experience of watching on a terrace. And... <laughs> To be honest with you, I found that experience no different than watching Norwich in the Blower Barclay because we all stand in there anyway. Other than that, I actually felt safer because there was no seat in front of me that I could potentially fall over when I was uh, if, if, if a goal went in. Yeah, I don't know how big the terrace is at Burton, but I've been at really big terraces which are packed and there are surges when the goal happens. You don't feel particularly safe then. So I think it's very different depending on the experience that you've that you've been in. So I, yeah. as somebody who's actually stood on big terraces, big matches when they're packed, and I'm only five foot two as well, so I'm not very tall. Personally, I feel safer in an all-seater stadium, but I am also very much in favour of safe standing as well. Yeah, I think the safe stand. I think the standing at Burton would be kind of classed as safe standing because. We think of safe standing as sort of rail seating, but in reality, it's actually just standing that's that's safe. 
Um, and obviously, back in the early nineties, you know, when the when there was those large terraces with the surges, that wasn't safe standing. That was that was obviously pack as many people in as possible and don't care about crowd control. What I always find quite fascinating about that is that obviously you don't really get that at football anymore. But I do find that you still get it in large events such as music festivals. I've been to uh, to, to concerts, um, particularly outdoor ones where there have been massive surges of people. And I thought it's crazy to think that we had such a terrible event in the Hillsborough disaster in 1989, which changed everything to do with crowd control and football. And yet it hasn't changed crowd control when it comes to some other events in life. But uh, I guess that's just, just one of those things. What was kind of your first away experience, Maddie? Oh, mine is nowhere near as exciting as Terry, you know, who lived through the UEFA Cup run and all of that. Mine was 2017 Arsenal FA Cup. And it was me and a couple of mates, I think it was 10 quid for us to go down because it was half term. So they were trying to appeal to kids and we were 17. So still, we still got the discounted tickets and the coach travel was nothing as well. So we packed up, went to London at the half term, me and two friends. And I remember getting off the coach and arriving at the Emirates. We had to walk, you know, 10 minutes or so. So when we walked up and we saw the ground and I know a lot of people have problems with modern football and they don't like the way modern grounds are taken over. But for a 17 year old seeing the Emirates for the first time, it just blew my mind. You've got pictures of Arsenal players. It was it was incredible to see. I, I'm just going to jump in here that um, much as I do love those old stadiums, I don't think I don't hate new stadiums either. And I went to that <laughs> cup game as well because it's the first time that I've been to the Emirates. I'd been to obviously at Arsenal's old ground, but I'd never been there before. So I actually and I and I think you can have it. I and mean, I think we also we went to Spurs as well. And I think Spurs is another great stadium. I think you can have really good. Uh, modern stadiums the modern stadiums I don't like are the ones that are built on the outskirts of the town in some business park somewhere yeah I mean so I, you know I've nothing against old stadiums at all one of my biggest regrets from last season is that I didn't go to Brentford because I really wish I could have seen Brentford before it all got knocked down that just seems like such a perfect away day but yeah you know it's the split of old and modern stadiums and like you say Spurs was possibly Aston Villa aside, because that doesn't count because we got promoted as champions, Spurs was probably the single best away day I've ever had. And I remember walking onto the actual stand and thinking, this is nothing like I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be, you know, a corporate hellhole devoid of any character. But it was it was Spurs' stadium. It wasn't just any stadium. And just looking at the pitch and looking at the stand, what an amazing Spurs, what an amazing match that was. So, um, Terry, you, we mentioned there that you went to the UA for a couple away games. Could you give us uh, a little bit of uh, flavour as, you know, two young whippersnappers who can't remember that period or weren't <laughs> even born during that period? Yeah, weren't even born, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Terry. Could, could you give you us a little bit born, of it? Nick. Don't try that one. <laughs> yes, I was. Just, just barely. Um, could you give us a bit of flavour as what it was like going to uh, Arnhem? Munich and and um, Inter away. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty amazing. I kind of knew at the time that it was like it may never happen again. Um, I remember because I was working part time and and that summer I actually like basically worked every hour that was given to me. So I was working forty plus hours a week to earn as much money as possible so that I could afford those trips to Europe. Um, so it was it was we were all kind of on a, this of a weird journey and it was it was difficult because well it wasn't difficult but obviously English fans abroad had a bad reputation 
So often we would go to places and we would be told there'd be this really strict security in place and you wouldn't be able to do this and you wouldn't be able to do that. And then Norwich fans would turn up and they'd be like, oh, this looks all right, off you go. <laughs> and they'd end up taking us to bars <laughs> and like helping us. But I remember when we went to Arnhem, we were told the coach is going to be taken to this area and we were going to have to stay there for hours. And then we got there and then the Dutch police were like, nah, you're all right, off you go. And we went off, I think it was like a shopping centre or something, and there was a bar inside the shopping centre. And then some Arnhem person turned up with like a crate of beer and started handing the beer to the Norwich fans. And it was like, it just wasn't, it was no trouble. There was no hassle at all. We were there just that, we kind of knew we were lucky to be there and we were just going to enjoy ourselves. And everywhere we went, it was really friendly. And when we went to Munich, there had been, I can't remember, there was some incident that had happened recently was some a German referee or something and they thought it was going to be this massive clash point and the whole of the time that we were in Germany arriving to the stadium there was police helicopters there was like police motorcycles and cars and we they kept blocking off like all the junctions on the autobahn so that we couldn't get off when we got off the coach like to the services there was like lines of police between us and the services it was like so over the top. We were a bit like, wow, it's like being in a movie. But again, it's Norwich fans, isn't it? So by the time we got to the ground, like things had started to ease off. And then we were like joking and laughing with the stewards. And then people having their photos taken with the police. And obviously we won, which helped. Um, so by the time we left the ground, there was like perhaps one police motorcycle and they kind of just let us go on our way. So it, it was quite weird and surreal in, in that respect. And then Milan was weird because when we arrived at Milan, um, everybody talks about this, it was a really misty day. And I remember getting off the coach and seeing the San Stiro and it's like this weird sort of building and it was seemed to be rising above the mist. And it was like one of those, I can still see that memory in my head now. It was a really uh, amazing experience. What were your memories of that Gosco? Can you can you remember the goal for, for a start? <laughs> uh, where, where, you know what angle what angle did you have to see it? And and you know what were your memories of the immediate aftermath of it? Because it's probably the most iconic moment in Norwich City's history. Um, I can't think of a more iconic one off the top of my head, apart from maybe Fashioning's goal. Um, and even then, that was in a loss against Liverpool. So, you know, what can you remember that of that Goss goal? Um. Uh, we were at the other end so we were at the other end of the pitch and um i can't i don't think we really appreciated how good it was until we saw it back later um but i remember that we did go a little bit mental when he scored because we weren't expecting to get much from the game and then we scored the, the first goal and then when we scored the second goal I, it went completely mental i think it was, it was in the old olympic stadium so rather than seats it was like benches and when i stopped celebrating the second goal I think I'd moved up three or four rows um, and then had to kind of climb back down to my seat because that was kind of how crazy it was. Yeah I, I remember having that experience when we when Simeon Jackson scored at, uh, at Fratton Park um, against Portsmouth that game that sent us up um, we went crazy and yeah I remember I think I was five rows in front of where we actually were um it's probably the only time actually i've ever experienced that and that was mainly because i was i was on the aisle seat so i kind of ran right down the aisle i don't know why we as football fans do that i don't know why we because because I, I remember listening to a to a show that was talking about 
um, when Liverpool won the Champions League in 2005, and mm. someone someone was saying that, um, oh yeah, when when we when we scored the third, I just ran down the aisles towards the pitch. I don't know why we do that because it's not like that we're going to get on the pitch or anything. <laughs> so it's just one of those funny things that we seem to do as football fans. Um, but yeah, I don't. When, I've never done. Yeah, I, I I guess it has to happen when you're maybe a little bit under the influence perhaps because um, you haven't really got control over your emotions at all because even when even when you score in the last minute and you're sober you you kind of have that thing in the back of your mind that stops you from doing something stupid where you know if you, <laughs> when you're intoxicated it, that kind of disappears a little bit do you have a particular goal celebration that you can remember quite clearly maddie Oh, it's difficult because due to current events, I've still not had my first full season as a season ticket holder. So most of my fantastic goal celebrations just come from last season. Although I do remember the first goal I'd seen scored at Carrow Road after a while was Norwich 2, QPR 0. I think August in Daniel Farker's first year. And Nelson Oliveira right at the end scored an absolute belter. And I remember turning to my dad and seeing like, saying, like, you look... You- you know, we're not all bad. I haven't picked a, I haven't backed the wrong horse here. You know, we're not too shabby. And then obviously everything that happened when Nelson Oliveira and last and the season, you know, that, you know, it went on. So it wasn't fantastic, but there are so many goal celebrations to choose from last season, aren't there? I uh, you mentioned that QPR game. I sat in the stake pit for that game. And that was the first time I'd ever sat in there. And I was actually, because it was a funny, I, I think it, I'm right in saying that it might've been a funny kickoff time or, there was something wrong with the trains. I have to take a train to the game. And the problem with the trains is that they never match up to when the game's going to finish because, you know, for some reason they just can't do it. So I, I, while I don't leave early, I kind of walk to the bottom of the staircase. So when the final whistle goes, I can quickly nip off. So I'd actually walked to the bottom of the staircase along with a bunch of other people. Then the goal went in. And for some reason, loads of people from the concourse ran out to the front and it's like, well, you're not going to see it again. There's no action replay. Why, why are you doing that? And I've Everyone seen that. does that, don't they? Yeah, I've seen that a number of times since as well. That's, that's quite funny when that happens because um, I, I don't know why, what possesses people to do that. Well, one of my favourite videos that... along those lines. Oh, we, we might be saying the same thing about when um, we got a late goal against yeah. Ipswich <laughs> and everybody exactly left the stadium and there's video of, of outside of people rushing to try and get back in again. <laughs> Oh, that oh. just cracks me up every single time I think of it. I, 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 again, for that game, I bought a ticket because I wasn't a season ticket holder. I bought the ticket at the last minute um, because living in Suffolk, Derby Day, I, I don't enjoy it at all. I actually despise it because it's so nerve wracking. I feel sick the whole week of Derby Day. And unfortunately, I know it's just football, but just for so because for 28 years i've had to, to kind of cope with living down here and being a norwich fan it still makes me sick about the whole week leading up to david makes me sick and i thought i'm not going to go i'm not going to go and then at the last minute i thought hang on a second i'm actually going to feel more nervous if i'm not there <laughs> so i got a ticket and it was in the uh, community stand the community corner and yeah i remember walking down the stairwell after the game in the community corner just laughing my head off because it was so <laughs> funny to see that taken away from them. And then that great video came up online of, of being in, when the Ipswich fans were all celebrating near the end and the whole shit, shit. And then the and closer scoring. Um, a, good, a, a, very, a very good friend of mine is an Ipswich season ticket holder and he was at the game. And he, you know, he still has Vietnam War like f- flashbacks to 
close to scoring in the last minute. <laughs> it's actually one of my favourite Norwich goals, thinking about it, because it's just so funny the way that it kind of transpired. Oh, no, I love the celebration. I mean, I had so many firsts during that promotion season. As we've just been talking about the derby, that was my first derby. So the other derbies I'd only ever seen on television because I couldn't get tickets. You know, they're like, they're like gold dust around derby time. So the first one with Tim Closer, I was at home poorly. I fell off the sofa when he scored, just celebrated like mad. I'm like, that's like, calm down, calm down. It's just a game. You know, he's obviously saying that to wind me up as a football fan. And then the next one, there was the one where we had that, that 15 minute pause in the first half as Cole Scoose, I think it was, got stretched off. And I remember going through to my dad who was doing the ironing and just saying that was the worst game of football I've ever seen. So with my first derby, the 3-0, I was I felt sick to my stomach, like Nick said. I just oh I felt awful leading up to it. And I got to the ground stupidly early. We went on the fan march with Darren Huckabee and Grant Holt. And then Ono Hernandez scores in the first 90 seconds. It's like, oh, okay, okay. This might be okay, but with derbies, you can't relax. And so that was also my first promotion because the promotion before that was when we went up in the playoffs. And I was actually at Cromer with my family and we had no idea what was going on. And my mum said, it's really quiet around here. Is there something going on? You know, no one's here. And obviously the whole of Norwich was at Wembley. No one was at Cromer on that day. So yeah, my first promotion was last season. And it sort of, I think it probably meant so much to me because obviously I had gone through that such a bad time in my mental health. So to see all the players, all the staff and all the fans so connected like that and to be there and knowing I was there watching as we were making history, getting promoted at home and then winning the title at Villa Park. It was a real knowledge that in 20, 30 years time, I'm going to look back and remember the memories from this exact moment. It was, this is it. I'm watching history unfold before my eyes. And to see that, having only been a season ticket holder for five or six months was just, it was fantastic. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Well, it's interesting to talk about the first promotion. I think um, my first promotion is quite late because my first game was in 1990. Um, we got relegated in 95 and then we didn't get promoted <laughs> until 2004. So um, actually, although we're now very much seen as a yo-yo club because in the last 10 years we've been up and down and all around, um, actually for the first sort of uh, 15 years that I was a Norwich City supporter, it wasn't quite like that at all. So we had like, um, started off with a couple of dull seasons, then we had two really good seasons, then we had a terrible season when we got relegated, then we had that long period when we were stuck in the Championship going nowhere, um, and then we got promoted in 2004. Do you have any memories particularly of that really shit period in the late 90s? Because I love, the, sometimes you see it on the Rewind Norwich Twitter account, but you see it in other places as well. The nostalgia of that time is quite funny because we were so, we were so bad, but sometimes quite... I'm so glad I've never been Norwich. It's, it's sometimes quite nice just to just look at things like squad photographs and think, who the hell is that player? Or, or you know, who's... <laughs> Well, yeah, there are, there are loads of players that I won't remember at all because I've not got the greatest memory anyway, and there are some that you just block out. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's funny because you still enjoy going to football, don't you? And I would still go into away games now and again, and I'd still get you know a good day out from going to watch football, though not actually watching the football at the time. I mean, my biggest memory of that period is that, thank God for people like Ewan Roberts, who single-handedly would save us from getting relegated. Um and, uh, and I've, I've got some terrible memories, like going to places like Port Vale. Do you remember Port Vale? I saw us lose 6-0 at, at Port Vale. I mean, that's just rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> that's how awful we were. But 
you know, it was still a day out, wasn't it? You know, you <laughs> kind of made made the best of it. And you, you Vale have it's poor, I mean, poor Vale crew. I remember losing how many it, clubs have we offended and... in the last 40 minutes, do you reckon? Probably quite a few, but you know. So what about you, Nick? When was your um first promotion? Is it the same as mine? Yeah, so my, my first promotion was 2004, um, which I've already mentioned how you know how, what that was like uh, when I was 13 when that happened, so what it was like when uh, that you know sort of going through your kind of formative teenage years. I also remember the the 2002 playoff final. I've blocked that from my memory. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, that's kind of the the first big day out that I can remember having as an Norwich fan. Um, I can remember being under the roof um, at Cardiff, which is, you know, when you're 11 years old, seeing football played indoors is something that's quite, quite um, exciting because it's like, oh, this is really unique. And I can't remember anything about the regular game because, you know, it's actually quite a poor game. I can remember Robert scoring. I can remember my dad hugging a stranger and thinking how old that was. And then I remember crying my eyes out um, after the penalty shootout. So pretty bad memories after that and in fact when we got promoted at when when we won the playoff final at Wembley that almost kind of got rid of all of those bad memories of Cardiff it was a bit of closure because we were so comfortable on that day of um when we won so I kind of got rid of all of those memories I just love the juxtaposition of the fact that you two both have the, the same promotion as your first promotion when you think of everything you've seen Terry you know You've seen the cup run, you've seen the BCA, and yet you two, who, you know, not to offend you, are not that close in age, have the same promotion. And my only connection with that promotion is that my favourite Norwich shirt is the one that has Division One champions across the badge. I just, I love that shirt. So it's nice to look back on the noughties, because obviously I was only three or four at the time that we got promoted. And it's nice to look back and, you know, imagine what it must have been like to be a Norwich fan then, after so many years in the wilderness, to finally know you're up there, obviously down again the next year. But it must have been brilliant to finally see your team back up in the top flight. I can honestly say, yeah, I'm, I prefer the last sort of 10 years where we've been a yo-yo club. That's been much more enjoyable than that period <laughs> when we were just a mid-table championship team. Um, and it's, it's it's so much more, you know, the getting ready. I mean... Get, I remember the first relegation. That's probably more of an important thing for me. So when we got relegated in 95, mm. that I was absolutely devastated. Because it was like I say, it's only a couple of years after all the Munich fun and we'd been this really good team. And then suddenly I went through my very first relegation and I was heartbroken. And then, of course, it took so long for us to go back up again. But now, obviously, the last 10 years are up and down and la, la, la. Now if we get relegated, I'm like, well, that's all right. We'll be back up again in a couple of years' time. <laughs> I think about... When we got promoted in 04, we played in obviously in the Premier League the following year, which is probably my favourite season because that season was when the Premier League was really at its zenith in its stature in global football. Now we would generally consider the Premier League to be such a bloated, kind of messy institution with so much money swimming around, it's actually diminished the status a little bit. Back in the mid-noughties, mm. the Premier League was, was the league. It definitely was the best league of the world. Um, even though the marketing men try and claim that now, at the time, that was actually the case. You had Thierry Henry, Cristiano Ronaldo, they were all playing in the Premier League. So, so to see Norwich play with those against those players was, was quite incredible. And seeing us beat that Manchester United side of Alex Ferguson uh, at home, was probably the standout moment of that season. I also remember Darren Huckabee, who, of course, who was still my favourite player, Norwich player of all time. I remember him scoring an incredible goal at Highbury 
um, which I believe is the last season at Highbury. It might have been the season after the last season. Uh, and of course, Arsenal had been the invincible champions the season before. Um, so to see a Norwich player score that kind of goal at Highbury against a team that went unbeaten the previous season, all right, we lost 4-1, but to see a Norwich <laughs> player do that um, as a 14-year-old was was really, really special. Um, and I see it with the kids now because, you know, we often complain as Norwich fans, about, quite rightly, about the Premier League and particularly at this pertinent time as well when they're kind of showing themselves up to be the shysters that they are. Um, the people who run the Premier League, the, mm. there is an excitement with being in the Premier League when you're young. And you can see that with some of the young supporters now. Um, it's quite important to remember that because I think if, you know, because sometimes you say, what's well, better in the Championship? And that's obviously an argument that floats around Norwich fans. But the problem is, is, if you start saying that you don't want to be promoted, it kind of makes football a bit pointless. And you don't really want to go down that thin wedge of thinking because when you do start going down that thin wedge of thinking, you'll realise that all football is a bit pointless. <laughs> so... <laughs> There's no point of really judging it that way, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I sort of had the same moral dilemma at the start of this season because I'd never seen Norwich play in the Premier League. So the idea that we were up there and, you know, we were going to have Sergio Aguero and Alisson and even Jordan Henderson come to Norwich and play against us, it was it was baffling. It was so fantastic to me. And then, and the fact that we've gone this long without mentioning it, it's pretty spectacular. And I'm sorry to bring the, be the one who brings it up. But VAR, it ruined it for me. The fact that all those special moments, you know, that should have been so important. You know, seeing my team score against Tottenham Hotspur, the champ, you know, the finalists of the Champions League, seeing Team Mapuki do that, and then suddenly it's taken away. And I don't buy into a lot of this modern football is terrible. Or it was all better back in the 80s. And I know I wasn't alive in the 80s to say that, but I don't buy into the fact that modern football is a cesspit. But I think it's really shattered the illusion for me that the Premier League is the place to be. And especially with all that's going on at the moment, which we don't need to dwell on. But it, as Nick says, it's really shown the Premier League is possibly just the most disgusting league in England. The fact that they clearly don't care about the fans, you know, they don't care about the players. And it's it's really shattered the illusion that I want Norwich to be a top flight club all the time. Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, because of my age, I was there when the Premier League started. So I do, I was there for... <laughs> The last two seasons before it was the Premier League and then from the Premier League. And um, and it, at the beginning of the Premier League, it was great because, you know, any team could compete. And Norwich finished third that season and we were scoring goals for fun and we were beating everybody and it was great. Should have won it. But then every time we've been promoted since, it's kind of you get to see more and more like the, 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 the difference yeah. between the ones that have got the money and the ones that haven't. And, it's, and you think, oh, yeah, so we're going to see the big star names. Mm, yeah, that's nice, but... You know, you want, and the atmosphere's gone as well. You used to get much better atmosphere at grounds back in the in the nineties. And again, because season, you know, tickets have become more and more expensive to to fund all the really expensive players. It's kind of changed some of the atmosphere in some of the grounds. And I do love the championship. And but what's great about the championship is the fact that it's so competitive, and that you have the playoffs and you have promotion. Yeah. So I like getting promoted from the championship, and it's nice to be in the Premier League. But then when you get relegated back down to the Championship, I'm not that upset about it. It's like a comfortable old jumper, isn't it? Yes, exactly, yeah. So we're, we're dangerously into the territory of talking serious football chat. So to, to, to lower that back down again. Um, oh, yeah, crikey, sorry, everybody. <laughs> just, just, to, just to finish this off, um, always quite a funny subject, I think, is what is the 
the silliest thing that you've ever seen when you've been in the st- in, in a crowd, the kind of kind of weirdest thing or the craziest thing or the funniest thing that has happened while you were in the stadium? Well, I've, um, I have mentioned this before about the, the false teeth um, incident that happened. Um, I think it might have been, oh God, at least 10, 15 years ago. So we were in the Barclay and we scored a goal. I can't remember what match it is. And then the bloke in front of me was like, ow, something's fallen on my head, like from the upper Barclay, but didn't think about it. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, there's a steward with this very doddery old man walking up the steps and the bloke's looking for his false teeth that somehow in the goal celebration had fallen out of his mouth, dropped from the upper Barclay to the lower Barclay. And then he came to try and find them and he managed to pick them up and take them back. I hope he did clean them though before he put them back in his mouth. Uh, I, I hope he did as well. Um, I, I remember I, I used to sit quite a lot with my dad in the upper river end um, back in the sort of mid or early 2000s. And there used to be a guy in the Upper River End who held up a chopping board and used to shout, cheese board. Now, subsequently, later years on, I thought that I must have dreamt this because it seemed so crazy <laughs> to have happened. So I did some Googling and it turned out that there's actually um, a, a thread on the Pinkin forum from back in 2007 or something um, that talks about cheese board. So I, I definitely hadn't imagined it. So you see this guy he should just stand up hold a cheese board up and then scream cheese board um which i think is probably the weirdest thing that i've seen at stadium and it's interesting that both of our weird events have happened at carrow road not necessarily at the away game <laughs> my favorite weird thing is definitely um influenced by present company and it didn't necessarily happen in the crowd but it did involve a crowd member so tamper time they finally changed Tampa time for that god-awful halftime event we had over the past two seasons, and they make two people run around in giant zorbs and seeing Terry Westgate on the pitch in a giant zorb trying to just stay on her feet while I'm on the side trying to collect up flags and Nick and Rich are both yelling at me, come on, we've got to get this done, we haven't got much time. And I'm on the side absolutely corpsing because every time I look around, Terry is on her back like a turtle. Like, come on, you have to get me up, you have to get me up. And obviously, you know, knowing the stadium announcer, you've got a bit of banter going. But I just, I don't think I can ever top that for half time. Every half time after that has been disappointing because it will never beat Terry just laying there going, help me, help me, please. Oh my God, I can't believe you've mentioned that, Maddie. That was, that's another situation where my height went against me because I'm so short that when they knocked me over, my knees were inside the Zorb, so I couldn't bend my legs to get myself back up again. Oh, it was an absolute... Oh, and the bloke I was playing against was about twice my size. So he just basically ran at me full pelt, knocked me over, and then he had like the whole of the pitch to himself. What could you have won if you had won it? Was there a prize? Um, I have no idea. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't, it obviously, it wasn't going to... It was never going to affect me, so I never found out. <laughs> yeah, you were just roped into doing it by die, weren't you? Yes. <laughs> actually, it's really difficult to get halftime entertainment that people actually like at football because as football fans, we're always just naturally cynical. So mm. I really like that we've finally, finally stumbled across something that people actually quite enjoy. Even yeah, the fans so get into it. Yeah, even the UA fans get into it, and you see the kids get into it as well, which I quite like. So yeah, I got to give the club credit for that one. And yes, it was. Very amusing watching Terry take on probably Andre the Giant in in Zorbing, which is um, I'm sure quite. I'm referred to as 
<laughs> something that was, uh, yeah, that'll live longer than memory, I think. Well, thanks for joining us. It's been nice to have a chat with two of my good friends over the last hour or so. I hope you've enjoyed us rambling on about our Norwich experiences. We'll try and stay on topic next time, try and think of a topic to talk about and stay on that. But knowing the three of us, I'm not entirely sure that will happen. So thanks for listening and hopefully the ACN Flag Squad pod will see you again.